My very first school classroom that I got when I graduated from Teachers College, what that's what it was called in those days, was a classroom at Robertson Public School. Robertson is used to be in the center of St. Catharines in the downtown core. And needless to say, by the time I became a teacher, it was no longer a mixed um, community. It was, generally speaking, very poor families, very often low class. There were some working class families there, but it was not exactly one of the best communities in the city when I was teaching there. I ended up, long story short, with the class of 38 grade 7 and 8 students. To say that I was scared out of my pants and way over my head is putting it mildly, but that's a story for another day. The first thing I did when I got that classroom, and it was offered to me just before Labor Day in this particular year, was what came to be a tradition of mine whenever I moved classrooms. I like everything neat and tidy and spick and span and to know where everything is. So I went through my entire classroom and I organized things and I put things together that I thought I might be able to use in the classroom, not really knowing very well where I was going, but at least I had an idea of the materials that I might be able to rely on with my students. Once school began, I, I had a lot of trouble and I had a lot of consultants coming into my classroom and giving me tips on what to do. And to a large extent, I was swimming against the current. One of the things I had to do, obviously, was to teach reading and to use a variety of different reading materials to help my students read and understand what they were reading. Most of them weren't very good readers, and it was a very unusual group of students with a variety of different tastes. But somehow or another, I got into this book that I had enough copies of in my classroom that had poetry, including the songs the words of popular songs, and I remember trying to teach uh, poetry using the words of Paul Simon and his uh, song, The Sounds of Silence. I look back now, and of course, hindsight is easier than foresight, but I, I see now how I could have done so much more with that poem than I ever did. And that's where I want to begin with this podcast. It's all about captivating the interest of your students and using that interest in different aspects of their lives to reach them on a teaching and learning level 
you trying to teach them and them needing to learn certain things. That, that book of poetry, if I'd only known then what I know now, I could have spent days and days and days and delved into what the meaning was behind those songs. And just as I'm talking, I'm thinking to myself, what I wouldn't have been able to do had I had access to Google and been able to Google that song and read what other people thought about it. But the whole idea of using popular culture to reach students is very, very important. It was then, and it's even more important now because more and more students question the validity of what we try to teach them unless there's a link to their lives. So I went from the songs of Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel in a book to music appreciation and trying to help the students visualize music and what it was trying to say to us by playing things like Duca and and uh, Tchaikovsky and and Rimsky Korsakov and getting the students to visualize what the music was trying to say. There again, I didn't do a very good job of it, but at least I was trying to reach them. Later on in my teaching career, in the in not the next school after, but two schools down the road. I used to have my students painting all winter long. And once they finished their the instructions and once everybody got settled down to working on their tasks, I had music playing. I played popular music. And I can remember my students noticing that I liked to sing along with the music. And that was a bonding experience the students realized that I wasn't some stick in the mud, but had many of the same interests in the, as them. Now, they would come and they would want to, me to talk about a game on TV that they had watched or on the radio that they had listened to. And at the beginning, I didn't do anything about that. But later on, I realized that even though I wasn't the slightest bit interested in sports, I had to read the sports sections so that I knew at least enough of what the students were talking about when they came in all abuzz the next day talking about a, a, a goal or a, an amazing game or whatever. Back to my art room, I used to try to help my students learn concepts of design and they had to use chalk pastel and crayons in at different times to create designs and we used books of wallpaper that had been discarded by the paint and paper stores and they could look at what design was. They could analyze stripes, they could analyze triangles, they could analyze wavy lines, and they could uh, analyze the colors that go into them. And they could learn something about art appreciation and about design using those scraps of paper from those books. 
So another thing I used to have to do was teach a newspaper unit. And students had to learn to read newspaper articles. They had to learn to understand what it meant to read nonfiction. And I would try to get them to read sports articles. And that led to when we were leading up to uh, uh, an Olympic year, the students would get the newspapers in bulk in the classroom, and then they could look up articles on the various sporting events. And, the, and then from there, even today, you can leap into integrating that with mathematics by talking about the achievements of the star athletes because in every classroom there are going to be students that are interested in, in in athletics and it even became more fun when it was um when there were summer olympics because then in the at the end of the semester leading into june we could do our, we could do work on the various summer track and field events. And then that could lead into conversations about track and field events at school and see the links and talk about the things that the athletes needed to excel at. Anything that you could find, anything that I could find that would get my students to open up and talk about them. From there, it's an easy it's an easy jump to talk about popular movies, and to have conversations about why some movies are more popular than others, and to talk about what goes into creating a good movie, and why do some movies get nominated and others don't, and what's the difference between a popular movie and a well. Um, critiqued movie, popular with the audience and popular with the critics. Today, you could have a field day using, looking at the ratings of different movies based on Rotten Tomatoes and the, what the, the audiences say and what the critics say and why are they different. You could leap from that to a conversation about the reporting on movie stars. And needless to say, there are always scandals in Hollywood and scandals all over the world today with actors and actresses and musicians. And that can lead to discussions in the classroom about behavior and about expectations and about role models and you could go from that into uh, debating which I remember we had or you could go into writing reviews of or newspaper articles in which they had to cover the essentials another way in which you can bring popular culture into the classroom is making sure that there are books in the library and magazines in the library and access to websites on the computers that the students can read. Reading is reading. Whether you're reading Charles Dickens or you're reading Gordon Corman or you're reading 
any other young person's author. Reading is reading. It's what we do with that reading. It's how we approach it with our students. It's what we talk about in the classroom. It's how we talk about them in the classroom. And you can use movies as a way of analyzing a good book. I remember teaching The Yearling by Marjorie Kenan Rawlings, who wrote a Newbery Award-winning book about a horse. There are Newbery-winning win books, books nominated and winning as the best fiction for young people. There's books like Black Velvet and Sounder and the movie Bambi. And those all allow us to look at a movie after we've read the book and then talk about plot and character and setting and so forth. There are so many ways as kids get older you can use the things that they're interested in outside the classroom in the classroom to help them learn. It is as it, You can be as inventive and creative as you want. The important thing is knowing what makes your students tick, knowing what they get off on, what they're interested in, who they like to follow, and what they're talking about. Because by captivating that interest, we captivate their ability to learn. We captivate their ability to read, to write, to speak, and to listen. And those are the modalities of learning that are at the basis of what we do in the classroom. Popular culture, anything that the kids are interested is a door that we can go through safely as long as we do it smartly to help our students learn.